Hello and good afternoon. Welcome to our show, We're Talking Golf. My name is Douglas Maida and I'm your host. This episode is being recorded from our studio in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Our show is produced by the World of Golf, where we bring you golf news and information from around the world. Before we begin though, I would like to take this time to welcome our listeners from around the world that are joining us and listening in on today's podcast show. We have another great show planned for you today, with plenty of topics to discuss from around the world of golf. Joining us today will be our special guest, Karen Stupples. Karen is a former LPGA player and a past major champion. Of course, you may know Karen from her work on the Golf Channel, where she works as an on-course analyst covering professional golf. In today's show, Karen and I are going to be discussing the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. It's the third major this season in women's professional golf. The Aronimink Golf Club in Newtown, Pennsylvania is hosting this year's event. Aronimink is a course that has a long history of being a championship venue in the men's game. In the past, it has hosted several majors, including the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open. It has also hosted the BMW Championship, which is part of the PGA Tour's FedEx Cup playoffs. But before we get going and introduce our guest, a brief message from our podcast producers. You're listening to We're Talking Golf on the World of Golf. Remember, for the latest golf news and information, check our website at www.worldofgolf.org. That's www.worldofgolf.org. You can also find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find us on Weibao and on WeChat. Now back to our show. Here's your host, Douglas Maida. Welcome back to our show. Now, without any further ado, I'd like to introduce you to our special guest, Karen Stupples. Karen, thank you very much, and welcome to our show. Uh, you're welcome. It's always fun to, to get on here and talk golf, because you always make me think long and hard about my answers, and uh, you always uh, really put me on the spot quite nicely, so thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for for yeah. uh, being a volunteer for this uh, kind you're of welcome. question and answer session. <laughs> uh, so you just came up from the ShopRite Classic that just finished this past, uh, well, yesterday. Um, yep. Mel Reed, what more can we say? I'm sure there's plenty. Uh, there's, it's crazy. I mean, I've known Mel for a long time, and uh, she's been through an awful lot. Um, she was all, she, when she first came out and turned professional, she was one of those can't-miss players. I mean, had everything going for her in the right direction. The LET career was, was really kicking off. Uh, there was a couple of missteps along the way with regards coming out to America and then the, the tragic accident that her mm-hmm. parents had and the death of her mother, Joy. And it kind of really, in her words, just put her into a bit of a spiral that she really didn't see coming. And then, if, and now she's kind of picked herself up, dusted herself off and kind of got herself back on track, realizing her goals and her dreams and finally breaking through as an LPGA winner. And it was uh, it was emotional for everybody watching, knowing what she's been through. And there isn't a more deserving winner on the LPGA. There's nobody that works harder or does more for their game um, and live life to the fullest in, in the process. And uh, she is a great person to be around and in just a general 
good sort. I mean, you could tell from the amount of people that were there at the end, caddies, players, drowning her in champagne as, as they should uh, to celebrate. It's, you don't often see that many uh, do that, uh, especially with a major happening just up the road. Most players would be in their cars and hightailing it off, but they wanted to celebrate with her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she seems like a, a very popular winner. I followed a little bit of her when she was on the LET, and uh, I think she had, what, uh, strung together four or five victories on the LET before she tried to make the move over to uh, yeah. North America the first time? Yep. Yeah, yeah she, it was something like that. And then uh, and then she had another win. She had, I mean, she's got six LET wins altogether to her name. Um, but it's just, it's, there's so much talent there. And she knows it. I mean, she knows. Everybody says how much talent she has. It's just knowing how to use it on the golf course. I think with the help of her new new psychologist that she has, I think it's really put her in a, in a good you know a good frame of mind and a good place to be. And honestly, not everybody has the mental skills. It, I, I think you're, you're either born with one of two things: you're either very physically talented or you're very mentally talented. It's very rare to have a player that has both. There, there has only been probably two players that I know of that has both. Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods. Those players have both mental skills and physical skills. Most players have to work on one or the other. I look at Lydia Ko. Lydia Ko, mentally fabulous, physically less gifted. Mel Reed, very physically gifted, mentally not quite as much. And so now she's got a psychologist that she works with. It's kind of filling in all the holes, you know, filling in all the gaps and all those missing things and giving her the keys and the techniques that she needs to, to get through and to really realize her potential. Right, right, right. Um, she had that tragedy in her life with the uh, motor vehicle accident that uh, ultimately mm -hmm. took her mother's life. I remember watching a little bit um, on the LET because there was a bit of a time where she, and, and I think Mel's described this too a little bit, where she was in a bit of a funk trying to deal with the, uh, the unexpected tragedy of all that and the personal loss. And I understand from what she said uh, publicly is that she was very close to her mother and that yep. it hit her exceptionally hard. And um, when she won that first event on the LET after the accident, it almost seemed like a cloud lifted for her and she was going to be kind of ready to kind of resume her career and whatnot. Well, Was that sort of a, an accurate reading at the time? I mean, I realize no, it didn't quite work out that way, but... I, I don't think so. No? I don't think so at all. I think that she played in a fog. I think it was always just playing in a bit of a fog and yeah. accidentally just stumbled upon a victory. And yes, it was an emotional victory and it, there seemed to be a release, but there was an awful lot still tied up in there. Yeah. And which is why it never, it didn't continue. Uh, mm -hmm. there was no re real release it just you know and and I think the psychologist is bringing it out of her now finally she's finally you know talking it through and getting rid of it all right 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 well that's good that's good to see yeah. she's always been uh, an extremely popular player at least very as much an, so. as an outsider looking in she's always seemed to be quite popular and been a I bit can't of a imagine I can't imagine being on a golf course with anybody better so she was I played foursomes with her in the Solheim Cup in 2011 so right. she's She's a great person to be around. Yeah, yeah. Well, she had that wonderful opportunity. Uh, I should say opportunity, where she, I believe it was in the Solheim Cup, uh, not last year, not last one, but the last one that she had played in a couple of editions uh, ago, where she was the, uh, her playing partner came down ill and she took on the other team quite, uh, 
Wait, how, oh, was that in the UL Crown? It was in the Crown. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was in the Crown. It was Charlie Hull got sick, and so Mel had to play play against Japan on her own. And uh, I think she figured out what she was made of then. For yeah, sure. no, she uh, she managed. I I think that went quite far at one point. Uh, made it. I, I think everybody was surprised. In fact, a lot of us thought she was actually going to pull it off. Like we thought she could actually beat them, and it yeah. was it was really touch and go for a long time. Oh, no, no. It was an incredible effort on her part to, uh, yeah. I mean, Herculean effort just to be able to pull that one off. And, I know. And it's awesome. So, yeah. Oh, terrific. Terrific. Um, so, what more about Mel Reed? I see, uh, I think it was um, Suzanne Pedersen had a somewhat playful and flattering video of... Uh, <laughs> Of Mel, I take it that was from the Solheim Cup uh, celebrations or something. Of course, <laughs> you know, like I said, there's nobody else you'd want to hang out with in, in any situation. She's good for she's good for the hang, and uh, she's, I mean, she's just the best. That's why that's why she's so popular. I mean, it's just awesome. And I, honestly, I think there wasn't anybody that could have taken what happened at the last Solheim Cup any better than she did. She got left off the team for Suzanne. Basically, Suzanne slotted into her spot on the team and Mel became a vice captain. Right. And, and I would hazard a guess that part of the European team, team's success was due to the fact that Mel was there. Um, mm -hmm. She is a great motivator within any team. Uh, she has the ability to cheer and lift anybody, anybody's spirits up and spur them on. So, yeah, she'll be a good addition to the next team. No doubt about it. Yeah, terrific, terrific. Yeah. Which will be next year. Yeah, uh, Inverness. Yes, yes, terrific. Yeah. Um, so, the ShopRite Classic. How was the course playing? It looked like it, it's one of the shorter courses, but it looked like it was uh, playing fairly tough uh, for most of the weekend. You know, and there wasn't much wind either for most of the time. Sunday it got a little bit windy, but it's the most ridiculously hard 6,100 yards you'll ever come across. And every single one of those yards, as Jerry Foltz puts it, is just terrifying because there's trouble lurking and waiting for anything. I mean, the fescue is just obscene and it's not that far off the greens and the greens are all tiny. I mean, they're the size of my computer. They're just, just not very big. And, and the greens are so subtle too, tiny little breaks and undulations that are almost impossible to see and read. And the frustration levels grow fairly high because you have lots of birdie opportunities, but you don't really walk off the course with many of them. So it's a, it's a beast of a little golf course, but a lot of fun and to play. So if you're ever in that area, you have a chance to go play it because it is a lot of fun just because it's so old school. It's just, Literally, that you have the green and then the tea and then the tea and then the green. It's just everything's all right there. And the wind hits you from all different directions, playing holes. So you, you use every single club in your bag. And uh, the greens are a challenge. I mean, it's just old school Donald Ross. <laughs> yes, yes. Including the size of the greens. <laughs> yes, the greens are tiny. Unlike this week where the greens are massive and these are Donald Ross as well, so... Go yeah. figure. Yeah. Um, a couple of players, at least some of the ones I noted as having a, a pretty good week. Jennifer Kupcho. Yep. Second place finish. Yep. Thoughts? Were you able to follow her at all uh, 
on the weekend? I, or? I didn't get a chance to watch any of her golf. Uh, and I know that it's it's been a weird year for her, really. I mean, she hasn't played her best stuff. Uh, she did have a decent finish last um, last week. But she, or not last week, but the, the, in Rochester. No, where were we? I can't, uh, it's, it's all confusing. Wherever we were the time before the time, Portland or A&A, wherever, wherever she last played, she had a good week. And um, so I think that she's gone, she's gaining a little something there, but, but there's, I think at the level of her expectation is really high. Like she gets impatient. And I think there was a bit of impatience that came out in her game. She wanted to win. She had a chance. She pushed a bit too hard and it just kind of fell away. And then she kind of finishes up pretty strong, but it's, but the, the moment's gone and passed. And she, if she's objective about it and, and not emotionally attached to what happened, she'd be able to look at that and say, you know what, if I just kept my cool, not lost my, not lost, not lost control of my emotions out in that golf course, I still could have won. And she could have, um, because you never truly know what's going to happen or what's, you know, until the end of the round. You have no control in what anybody else does on a golf course. All you can, can do is, is control yourself. And for the most part, the only thing you can do is, is control the way you think. You can't, I mean, swings happen. Good swings, bad swings. Good shots, bad shots, it happens. And good breaks, bad breaks. All you can control is your mental process. And so once she figures that bit out, she'll, she'll be a world beater. Yeah, yeah. Um, NASA. Yes. She was um, potentially threatening the entire weekend. Uh, she was. Kind of fell off a little bit on Sunday, but. Well, she was hitting the ball really well. I mean, just absolutely crushing it all week. Couldn't buy a putt on Saturday. And then on Sunday, she was doing really well and then had a weird. Uh, I still didn't really find out what it was, but my gut feeling was that she had a nosebleed on the on the on the 10th fairway because literally she had to stop what she was doing and had to get some tissues kind of stood there with her nose with her head back and holding onto her nose and then she put her face mask on but it took her a while to to settle down if it was just a runny nose it wouldn't have stopped her from playing she would have just blown it and got on with it but it, i think she had a nosebleed on that on the 10th fairway and it really rattled her because she she was never the same on that back nine after that so um mm. i think that's a little bit of bad luck for her but uh, she would be my pick for this week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, somebody else who's kind of been flying under the radar, not necessarily one of the more prominent names, um, but that's Kelly Tan. She seems to have been playing really well since she's come back mm-hmm. from the COVID break and uh, has yep. seemed to have seized her opportunities as they presented themselves. Well, I think again, I think this is one of those lucky times for some people that don't see leaderboards, they don't see their name creeping up on it, they don't hear big crowds and cheers, there's not an awful lot of people around, and she can just basically concentrate on playing golf without the um, the pressure of knowing that w- that you're creeping up that leaderboard and getting somewhere near the top. I think it's uh, a nice spot for her to be, and now she's going to learn how to play in that spot. I think she'll continue to do so. So she's mm-hmm. good enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think I think she's been the beneficiary of of the no fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she's definitely uh, taken her chances, and uh, yeah, I see she's made it now and qualified for the next major, the uh, U.S. Open, so. which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and somebody else, um, I kind of want to segue a little bit. She played really well in 
in New Jersey, and that's uh, Rhiannon O'Toole. Yes. She had a really nice finish, and uh, she managed to get into this week's field. Yep, she did. I like Ryan. I, I, I actually followed her followed her around Seaview uh, on the final day, and she played some really good shots. Like she played some really aggressive drives where she had to that put herself in some good good positions. Uh, didn't always capitalize on some of the opportunities that she had. But she's always been there or thereabouts. I mean, she's been on tour at least 10 years now, maybe 11 years. And she's she's had a number of second place finishes, I want to say. Like, she's been close. Like, she's had opportunities, not quite finished deal. Uh, but again, it wouldn't surprise me to see her win something. Uh, she's too good of a player to not leave this tour without a victory. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. All right. Um, so you made the drive from New Jersey to Did. Pennsylvania. How was the drive? Very pretty, actually. Well, the New Jersey bit, not so much, because you're just down the, the expressway there. But then once you go over the, the Ben Franklin Bridge, and you, you, know, you head over that, and then you, ha- and then you, you head down, and you, you drive up through Philadelphia, and you go along the river. And I wait on the 76, I-76, and you head up the 76, and on the right, there's a really pretty river, that uh, there's a number of boat houses where people row from and people do like coxing, you know, they have like proper rowboats, like like eights and fours and stuff. And you can see them all rowing up the river. And I used to do a bit of rowing and um, and it's fun to watch. I love watching watching that. It reminds me of, of home in the, in the UK a little bit. So the drive through that was really pretty. And then uh, I drove through to the... Uh, where the LPGA do their COVID testing because I have to be COVID tested this week and I'm in, I'm in the bubble this week. And so um, I got tested this morning and then I came to my hotel, got checked in and I went straight out to the golf course because I had to get a bit of homework in. But the drive to the course was just lovely. I mean, it's these little, little, I mean, I avoided the, the 476 and I just went on the little tiny, tiny little back roads and just beautiful countryside little streams and rivers houses set into the hillside that had stone that looked like they could tell a thousand years worth of history you know Mm. it just was magnificent undulating and just everywhere you looked you could see there there would be a golf course so it's not really surprising that there's so many good quality golf courses around philadelphia this the landscape is just made for it Mm -hmm. and uh it was uh it was cool, get walk, you know, driving into the course and very sh- surreal because um, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship always has massive build-ups. You know, the stands are so big. Everything is just built up huge. And it was very subdued. I mean, it's like, okay, you look around, you're like, well, where's the 18th? I'm like, oh, it's right there. It just looks like a normal golf hole. So it's, it's going to be a different KPMG this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could appreciate that. Um, so you posted a couple of photos or at least one of the photos from, uh, the golf course today talking about, uh, I think that was the 204 yard, uh, par three. I think it's two, uh, yes, I think maybe, is it two, four or two, seven? Either way, it's a long mm-hmm. par three, mm-hmm. but it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, I've got my yardage book here. Let me, let, let, let me pull out my little magic bookie. 204. You're better than me. I'm getting. I was looking at another hole that was two. That was that was 407. I'm getting my numbers all mixed up here. <laughs> it's getting late for me. Um, 
but yeah, so two, yeah, so two o four. It plays a bit downhill. Plays about ten yards downhill. But when the men played here uh, in two thousand eighteen for the BMW Championship, it was the hardest hole on the course for the men. Yeah. And when I sat there around the green watching players try and hit the green, I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to be an easy hole. And it's one of the few holes that you can look back and watch how the men played and you'll be able to get a really good idea on what the women are going to do on it. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few times, it's one of the few places where they're able on par threes, they're able to set them up very similar to how they set up the, how they set up the men. Because, you know, they think that by moving tees up 30 yards, that makes up the difference between men and women. That's not the case. I mean, Brandel Chambly will tell you plain and simple too. It's not just the tee shots because the tee shots are about 40 yards difference. They then have at least 25 yards with the iron shots difference too. So you're looking at, in actual fact, a 65-yard difference is what the women should play less than the guys if you were trying to even the, even the playing field in terms of dif- distance. But on the par three, they've done a really good job between where the men were teeing up and where the women are teeing up. And I think you'll see, you'll be able to have a really good comparison of what what the women's game strength is in, and, and in relation to what the guys do mm-hmm. or have done. I think that's just, the, that's just a really interesting hole for people to watch throughout the course of the week looking at those things. Because something silly like, well, look, where are my numbers here? Only 56% of the shots in the BMW Championship hit that green. Mm-hmm. So only half the shots over the course of all four days. Wow. That have played the very best on the PGA Tour all year long. So these are the players that are in form, right? These are the ones that are going through into the FedEx finals. So, and then once they missed the green, it was really difficult to get up and down. So that's going to be interesting. How many players hit that fairway, hit that green? Um, will it'll, that that will be the determining factor on where women can, you know, where women's game should be appreciated? Right, right, yeah, yeah. No, um, the course seems to be looking quite well and uh, is in a good shape for this week. Magnificent is uh, probably the best word to describe it. I mean, it's just absolutely immaculate. I mean, yeah. the fairways are like carpets. The rough, the rough is tough. It looks like it's socially distancing a little bit, like all the blades of grass are a little bit separated, like they're not like really clumping together, but it's difficult enough that, that will cause the players uh, fits just because most of them don't have a swing path that is conducive to coming out the rough. I mean, let's face it, most of the LPJ players don't miss many fairways. So, <laughs> so it's not really a big, a big deal for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, it looks like they're going... Um what was it, an inch and a inch and a half I saw for the first cut and then inch and three quarters for the uh, second cut of the rough? It's a bit longer than that right now. Is it? <laughs> it's it about that right. It's about that right now. It's, it's about three three to four inches right now. So somebody's telling porky pies. Uh, will they be cutting <laughs> it, uh, do you think, before? I have, the, uh, I have the Greenkeeper's book here as to how they expect the course to be set up. But, yeah. They might. Kerry Hague is sneaky, though. We all know Kerry Hague is sneaky, and the Greens will play at championship speed. Yeah. He'll never give us the actual stint meter reading, so we'll see. Well, they did give us a stint meter reading. Well, I think that Kerry Hague will make changes to that. <laughs> I don't think it's... Because he never gives the game away. PGA of America never says that. They never give the game away. So that might be the golf course... Uh, Superintendent. Yeah, that to- could be... 
Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't trust that reading. <laughs> well, for what it's worth, the golf course superintendent has uh, the stimp reading at 11.5. Ah, you know, that, see, that's rubbish because the LPGA say that every single week. Every single course the LPGA plays is 11.5. So there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. That's the standing joke in our meetings. Jerry Bolt says, and uh, how fast are the greens running? And uh, they'll say 11.5 and everybody will bust out laughing because it's 11.5 every week. <laughs> So Karen Stupples is calling them out for having that standardized 11.5. <laughs> and they'll know. And they'll know too because they, they see us in, in the meeting. <laughs> they know. They know. <laughs> uh, yes. But this week, um, Bentgrass Greens. Now, I'm not yes. familiar with uh, the course at the ShopRite. Were they Bentgrass as well? Uh, po. Poana. Oh, okay. So now the, the players are moving on to Bentgrass Greens up in uh, Pennsylvania there. Most people will be very happy, especially Brooke Henderson. I was, <laughs> I was going to say that is our dominant grass here in Canada. <laughs> There's a reason why she wins a lot on bent grass greens. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why she does well at EPMGs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. But, you know, well, I grew up on bent grass greens too. And since I've moved to the coast down here, uh, Karen, it's, I've been nothing but Poana, and I'm like, oh, how do you put on this stuff? I know. You know, I mean, you get used to it, and you, and you adapt, but I just there miss those some, beautiful true rolls that I used to get on the bent grass. Yeah, and there are some Poana greens that are good, like the ones at Columbia Edgewater, where Brooke has won twice, are actually very good. Uh, and and they, they, roll like, they roll as good as any bent green you'll ever put on. Uh, so it is possible, but but the seaside Poana greens tend to be a bit iffy <laughs> in the <laughs> evenings when everything's when everything's been played on and the grass has grown and mm, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit bumpy. <laughs> so, uh, your thoughts about uh, the course this weekend? What are some of the keys? Do you think that will come into play for the players if they want to score well? It's going to be a weird I, – I think the players will play the course well. Um, it will play really long. Uh, you'll see a lot of hybrids. You'll see uh, – I think par will be good scores, uh, but I think that very much like the last, time, last KPMG where the score was eight under par that won Hannah Green, I think it will be a similar under par total. I think mm-hmm. it'll be right around there. I think that players should be looking to shoot a couple under par every single day and they'll be looking quite happy. It doesn't, it's not going to really give them very much. The greens will be tricky to putt on, I believe. And, and getting close to the hole will be quite important. There's a lot of slopes on these greens. And I think they're a lot quicker than 11.5. So they're going to have to figure that out and be in the right spots on the greens. But they'll be coming in with long clubs. Right. Uh, but a number of players are just so good with the hybrids. The fairways look so wide uh, in a lot of places. Um, there's a couple of places where they kind of pinch in a bit, but for the most part, you're, they're not going to be missing the fairway by much. Um, right. And so I just think that it comes down to a, a second shot. It's a second shot golf course. You've got to be at precise. You've got to be accurate with your irons. And uh, now I say that, I'm thinking of somebody else in mind for who, who was going to compete and win, and that would be Danielle Kang, because mm-hmm. her irons are, are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Okay. Um, 
So the KPMG Women's uh, PGA Championship over the last few years has gained a bit of a very good reputation for being able to do some work with regards to promoting leadership forms uh, and women in leadership roles. And, and that form concept seems to be growing in popularity and being adapted to a lot of other courses. I know at our Canadian Open, the uh, CP Women's Canadian Open, uh, they've adopted that format. And even though the event was, uh, was postponed this year, they still held the uh, forum and did it mm-hmm. virtually. So any, uh, have you had any experience with the forum? Do you attend it all on, uh, as a, um, analyst or just as a past uh, LPGA member? Or? I haven't, um, primarily because I'm normally working too hard at the t- at, on the show or getting prepared for the show when the time, when it's on. Uh, but I do not, but I have, uh, taken part in other tournaments, ones where I've moderated a panel of people and, and talked talked about it. And it's it's a big thing now with the LPGA and, and encouraging sponsors because it basically says, you know, lead by example, you know, do as I do, basically. Look at how I'm acting. This is how I expect everybody to act. Mm-hmm. And, if, and basically by promoting, you know, the LPGA, you're essentially saying to every woman that, that – in your workforce saying look we're promoting these women that basically run their own individual businesses you've got every week you've got 144 women that run their own business teeing it up on the lpga tour so it's a really good match and mm-hmm. and i think that most companies understand the, have understand the value that uh women can bring to the workplace uh, we obviously have attacked things from a slightly different angle sometimes than than, than guys do uh, but I think that's a good thing to have both both perspectives. I think it generally makes companies better to have to see both sides of a lot of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I noticed KPMG have definitely uh, been doing a very good job of living by their values. I just look at the way yeah. um, uh, they were able to support uh, Stacey Lewis, for example, on her maternity leave. And some of the yeah. things that just weren't being able to, you weren't being able to, uh, or had to be very careful of uh, as a player on the LPJ with regards to maternity leaves and and uh, your sponsorship agreements and, <laughs> and when, and when you things. got pregnant <laughs> when you got pregnant and <laughs> used to be a big difference and how and whether you had time off before your baby or after your baby it was it used to cause a great deal of stress it, to, to yeah. people and some people get got caught out by by that uh, yeah. but luckily they saw they saw that there needs to be a different way. And uh, they made some changes to the rules, thank goodness. And now everybody has a better fair, fair crack of it if they want to go and have a family, which is quite right. So, I mean, we're a women's organization. We should be taking care of the women that, and having babies. You should be allowed to have a career and have a child as well. You shouldn't be made to choose. Right, right, right. Yeah. And fair to say KPMG has been uh, at the forefront or one of the tournaments at the forefront with this? Well, they have because they... Cause they, they uh, they didn't expect Stacey to to give any money back or or they didn't expect to give her less because she would play less events. She was going to take time off. They supported her 100% through her pregnancy, which was huge because it meant that she could come back and play without fear, you know, of making a, making a check. She could just come back and play when she was ready, as opposed to a lot of players that would come back and knowing that they had to make money because they've just almost lost a year's worth of wages because they've had a whole year off from playing tournaments. Right, and right. without a sponsor staying with them. So they, they depleted all the funds in the bank and then they have to come back and play 
play golf again without mm-hmm. because their sponsors didn't stick by them when they were pregnant. So KPMG to do that, that was pretty huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so some of the storylines this week. Sophia Popoff, this is her first major event since yep. uh, winning in uh, the AIG Women's Open. Yep. Thoughts? You know, she's. I think she's come out of it really well. Like she's had, she played well in Portland. She played well last week. You know, she's played well. It's not like it was like winning and then missing the cut. I mean, there have been players that have won majors that have then come back and done nothing. But she seems to be on a nice little trajectory now. Like now she's got to win. She's very content with life and her golf. Um, I don't know how she'll play this week. Um, she, I, I'd be lying if I would say that she's on my radar to, to win because she's not. Um, but I think she could do well and make the cut. I don't know how, where in that that puts her. But, you know, if you'd asked me at the start of the AIG Women's Open how she was going to do, I certainly wouldn't have said, you know, she'd be a top 10 or something like that even. And there she is winning. So she's very capable of surprising everybody. So mm-hmm. let's see mm-hmm. again. Yeah, terrific. Um Somebody else I would like to chat a little bit about and get your thoughts for this event, and that's uh, Bianca. She's a long driver of the ball. Oh, I guess I should uh, introduce her more uh, more formally. Bianca Pagdananan. Yeah. She's a Filipino player. She's uh, out of um, University of Arizona, and before that, Gonzaga, a national champion, and uh, a prolific driver of the golf ball and uh, it seems to be that that would be a, an important key this week well she's longest on tour for sure and the fairways are really wide and so I do think that she does have an advantage in that department but ultimately it's about get the ball in the hole and and what I've noticed from a lot of young players now that come out from college golf particularly the longer players they can rely so heavily on their distance you know, all the par fives are reachable. They've got tiny little shots into the par fours. There's no real challenge to them in order to put a good score together. All of a sudden, they come onto the LPGA and there's much more of a challenge. Everybody's playing well. There's a lot more longer players. It's not just a question of being able to reach the par fives in two. A lot of players are making birdies from all over the place. And so they don't have the same edge that they had when they were as amateurs or in college. So they have to learn how to play better on the tour and that's not just a question of hitting the ball farther it's a question of hitting better wedges making more putts learning how to score on LPGA setups she's close but she's not there yet you know length is good obviously you know hitting the ball a long way it's fabulous but look at Anne Van Dam. she's been at this for a while now she hits the ball a long way it hasn't quite settled into running through the rest of her game. And I think that for Bianca, that's what she needs to do. There's a, a, a focus on scoring that could really help. Don't care about what she does with a swing. Don't care about any of that. Learn how to get the ball into the hole in fewer shots. It, I mean, that sounds simple, right? It's just golf. I mean, she's always going to have an advantage because she's long. Right. But you need to take advantage of it. Right. Right, right. So, but it, but, and she did as an amateur because she could, but now the pond's an awful lot bigger right. when you become professional. 
Uh, let's move on to last week's winner, Mel Reed. Um, she came off uh, a victory at the shop, right? Um, what do you think? I mean, obviously, she's playing with lots of confidence right now and uh, hitting the ball well and, and scoring well and making the shot she needs to. Um, what do you think about some sort of carryover effect into this week? I think she'll carry it over. Um, there is one thing that happens, you know, when, you, when I watched her play. It was the ball striking and putting. Everything was fabulous. And you get a lot of joy from hitting quality golf shots when you're playing well. Now, she'll be able to continue that into this week. It will serve her in good stead. At some point, though, the, um, the emotions of what happened last week kind of hit you and it kind of, you get, it's tiring. Winning is tiring. It's just how tired she gets as the week goes on will be the biggest thing. But, but uh, I think she'll have another good week. There's no reason why she wouldn't. She's playing too well. She's hitting the ball too well. So you wouldn't be surprised to see a, a top 10? Not one bit. I think uh, it's very much on the cards. Good. good. Um, now let's uh, chat a little bit about uh, the perennial favourites here. Nellie Corda had a heck of a finishing round on Sunday. She's playing really well. Um, thoughts for her lining up? This golf course should really suit her too. Um, I think that she's everything's going in the right direction. I think what happened at the A&A inspiration where she almost won uh, lost the playoff I think will serve her well for this week and I think she's going to be tough to beat the only thing that could hold her back I think is maybe expectations and trying too hard to to go one better than how close she was at a and if she can keep all that in check and she's been working hard on that too, the mental side of it as well. I mean, here we are, we're talking all these players, they all have potential. Everybody who's teased up this week has potential to win. Right. Everything has to fall into place for it to happen. And But she's one that less has to fall into place for her to win because everything's right where it needs to be. Right, right. Um, so with Nelly, do you think that... Um She's managed to learn enough from what happened at ANA and being able to incorporate some of that learning into into this week and uh, parlay that into a, her first major victory, perhaps. I do. I mean, like I said, the only thing that would stop her is her. You know, if she gets in her own way, then no, obviously not. But if she if she just keeps out of her, if she just steps aside and lets herself play golf. There's not been any too many people that can beat her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's so often the case with, 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 say, probably the top 15 players on the LPJ Tour. They only don't win because somewhere along the line they beat themselves about something. Whether it's, oh, my swing doesn't feel good, or, oh, my putting stroke's not quite perfect, or, oh, I got so unlucky on that hole, or I'm not quite, you know, I, I didn't get enough sleep last night, I didn't get a cup of coffee this morning. Whatever it is, there's something that, that, that stops a player from performing their best. And a lot of it is just, it's just the mental approach and the mental side. They get in their own way. They, they, they put roadblocks uh, from making them perform. Mm-hmm. And so eventually one of those 15 players that could win every single week will just go right ahead and have a perfect week and they win. That's how it goes. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's so many players that are like that now in the LPJ that um, if they if they don't put up those block those roadblocks, then they're going to go deep. 
you, Se you, Kim. Se Young Kim is the other interesting one, though. Se no, Young Kim. That's who I got I on my list next. There you go. I mean, honestly, she should be a winner, a major winner. Her game across the board is too good not to be. Right. Simple, right. simple as that. Why it hasn't happened yet, God only knows, because it's just crazy how good yeah. she is. Uh, she's uh, 10 victories in her uh, five years on tour, so yep. she's uh, probably... I, I tried to do a quick calculation. I think she's the winningest South Korean player in the last five years. There you go, see? And I think... I, mean, uh, I, I, I could probably rank her better than Sung Hyung Park yeah. if I had the, you know, yeah. who I think is the better player. Certainly right now, Say Young's the better player. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you put Say Young in the similar circumstance, just playing really well right now and uh, hitting the ball well coming in? Or do you think that she's kind of have to have all the uh, stars aligned for her still? I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of promise out of her game yet since she's returned from Korea. I, I just don't see her in that same in that same mold. Like I can't. There's no little glimmer of hope there at the moment that makes me think, "Oh yeah, that 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 could happen." I mean, it's not like a Seon Kim or an Ellie Corder, you know. Where you think, oh yeah, this could be their week. Even Merle again this week. I mean, yes, I could see that happening. Um, NASA, I could see NASA. You know, so there were a number of players that I could, yes, I could absolutely see. Sunghyun Park, I, she's going to have to catch fire quickly for me to think yes, because mm -hmm. right now it's it's just not there. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Over the past couple of years, though, she would miss a cut and she'd come back and win the following week. Yeah, this is true. Just, but she wouldn't do, she wouldn't have a number of bad events in a row. I mean, it's been very lackluster. I mean, A&A &A was a bit, you know. So that's what I'm saying. It's just ho-hum. Yeah. She feels a bit ho-hum. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think she'll play okay. But I don't think she's going to factor for the, for the championship. Okay. Well, let's talk about a couple of Amer some more American players. Lexi Thompson. Mm-hmm. She's been playing well. She took last week off to prepare. Oh, pardon me. Sorry, I was thinking Danielle Kang took last week off to prepare. Uh, Lexi, she um, had a little bit of a break in there between A&A &A and uh, playing again last week at uh, the shop, right? So how is her game looking coming into this? Yeah, I think good. I like the changes she's made with the putting grip. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think this is a good golf course for her. Uh, it's a big golf course. She can open up her shoulders and just flat out hit it as opposed to feeling constricted and limited by the course. Um, she could, she, I mean, she could play well. It's, uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see it. Like I, I like what she's done, done with the, with the putter. And I do think that it being a big golf course helps for right, sure. Right. Well, her putting, I, I did a quick calculation of her putting over the last couple of events and, uh, I think this has been one of the better putting performances that, I, that Lexi's put together in a long while. Just her stroke average is down. She's hitting a lot of greens. She's making some putts. And, uh, yeah. I, I, think Jerry, I, I think Jerry said it best that of all the, you know, she, she tends to make changes to her putting uh, periodically. And then she'll change to it. She'll do great. And then all of a sudden it will fall off again. But this, one, this little change has the potential to have longevity to it. Like it could last a while and work for a while as opposed to the others, which seem to be a bit of a band aid. I think this is mm -hmm. the one that could potentially carry her forward. Good. Good. 
Danielle Kang, a perennial uh, favorite this year. She's been playing so well all season. Yeah. Um, this looks, she's a past champion as well. This looks like it could be a... Such a firecracker. I mean, she's such a, you know, feisty competitor. She loves it. Um, and her long, and her iron play, her long arm play is just spectacular. Uh, I've seen her hit lasers with them. Uh, so she's been working hard with Butch, Butch Harmon this week in Vegas. So not that Vegas conditions are much like here, but it's still getting some quality work in. And uh, again, you can't, players have intangibles that make them good and make mm -hmm. them great. And that fighting competitiveness that she has, you can't teach that. So, and you said, which means you can never rule her out ever. No, I'll never forget that uh, her victory at the KPMG. She managed to hold off Brooke Henderson, the defending champion. Brooke and left that, right in the heart, didn't she? In the heart, yeah. the hole. Yeah, yeah. And Danielle just, you know, I almost think that she kind of honed that skill when she won her back-to-back -back U.S. Women Amateurs and just kind of had that really started to develop and, and hone her uh, confidence and her ability to step on the tee and, and know that she's going to, have that mental focus and, and confidence to play through it all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As a player, does that ever intimidate your opponents or some opponents? Of course it does. I mean, she's, she's fearsome to play against, but she's also in her own world too when she's out there on a the golf course. Like she's not really paying much attention to anybody else. She's right. making sure she's taking care of her business, which is what she should do. But if you're playing with her, it kind of feels a little bit like, oh, it's strange because not there's not many other players that do that on here. <laughs> uh -huh, so. Uh -huh. so it can be. It does have that uh, little intimidation factor for some. Yeah, she, she's fearsome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Um, now I wouldn't be remiss if I didn't mention another past champion in Brooke Henderson. Absolutely. She's played pretty well these past uh, couple of events. She's A and A. She lost in the playoff, and uh, she played a. A pretty good round sun, uh, Saturday. Just couldn't get any putts to full Sunday. Yeah. But this course seems to be one that kind of would suit her game pretty well too. I agree. She She's a favorite of mine anyway. Like I just love watching her play golf. I love the fearlessness with which she attacks the course. I love how aggressive she just wants to play. Um, just the fieriness. I mean, she's 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 got that same intangible that, that Danielle Kang has that fiery fight, but she doesn't have the mean face to go with it. Like she has the smiley, cutesy face to go with it. It's, <laughs> and, it's, and it's a lethal combination because she kind of lulls you into this false sense of security. Like, oh, I'm so lovely. And yet she's like, <clears throat> inside, you know. It's, <laughs> it, so that's Brooke. Uh, but it's, it's so much, for me, commentating, it's so much fun because you never know what she's going to do next because she's going to do whatever it takes to, you know, whatever it takes is drive her off the deck, taking it up close to the green, hitting an impossible wedge shot. She's going to try and pull it off. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Well, and hopefully uh, that putter of hers will warm up a little bit with the, uh, with these types of greens. Be, that would be good. <laughs> um, I think everybody uh, your, uh, north of the border would love that. <laughs> well, in this, uh, in this short season. Southwood too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a shortened season, so we're, we've grown accustomed to seeing Brooke win a couple of times on tour each year, but uh, 
yeah. this season with it being such an abbreviated season, everything's kind of up in the air and everything's different this year. So true that, true that. Uh, um, Karen, we talked a little bit about players on the LPGA that there's so many of them that are so competitive that you, they almost have to have everything line up for them in order to win, or they have to make sure that little bit extra is there to win a major. Is there anybody on tour that is capable of winning if they don't have their best game with them? Or is it that competitive with that many players, quality players on the LPGA that you can't afford to uh, have a, a bad weekend or not play your best in order to win? I think, you, I think it's that competitive. There was a time when I may have said Aria Jutanaga, but obviously she doesn't have her best right now and she's not winning. So you can't even say that of her. Uh, but there was a time when I thought she was that person, uh, but she's not. And that tells me that there isn't anybody that is like that. I think if, you, if I look to the past, maybe Annika might have been the only one that I could think of in, in my playing career and my time of watching mm. that had the potential to get the job done regardless. Mm. Um, even somebody like Lorena, I think when she, she, when she didn't have her best stuff, it could be all over the golf course. Same with Yanni saying, if she didn't have her best stuff, it could be all over the golf course. Lydia Ko was interesting. Again, but I mean, much like uh, Aria in that she could do no wrong and then all of a sudden she did. Right. Um, but yeah, so no, I think Annika is the only one that, that I, I would really say in her time could do that. There's nobody out here right now. Uh, because it's just so competitive that anybody that, that one of those people will have the best stuff and that's it. You're your toast. <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat them. If, right. if one of them has their best stuff, if, if you don't, you're not going to beat them. <laughs> yeah. You might not even finish top 10 because right. that's just the way, that's just the way of the world. Yeah. Is it just my impression or would you agree that the depth and the ability for any player just about to win on the LPGA has really intensified over the last decade? Oh, yeah. I mean, and part of that is because it's a world tour. It's a global right. tour. You have the very best players from across the globe playing on the LPGA. And as the money increases, the, the competition to make that money and to achieve will keep intensifying. Now it's an Olympic sport. All of a sudden, you'll have interest from other countries that may not have had an interest in golf before. All of a sudden, might pump a bit of money towards golf because they have a chance to up their Olympic medal tally. Mm -hmm. And off you go. Mm -hmm. I just see it getting deeper and deeper. And I think as you see, uh, as you saw in, in men's golf, you'll see better athletes decide well wait a minute what am i doing playing lacrosse when i could be making money playing golf you know what am i doing what am i doing i could be making a ton of money playing golf why am i doing this mm -hmm. once they realize that there's a career and opportunities for them to play professionally for more than five years sure they'll they'll have a pop at it they'll they'll come over to golf and you'll get better athletes playing uh, i'm not saying that they're not good athletes now but you'll get you know, the six-footers that will be playing basketball or volleyball or whatever, and all of a sudden you've got a ton of really strong athletic women playing golf, and all of a sudden you have this length explosion again. I mean, we're starting to see it happening already, but give it another five years and you'll have 30 players that hit it like Bianca and Anne Van Dam. 
Mm. And, then, and then we're going down the path of the PGA Tour you know, on a smaller scale, obviously, but not quite as far as they do, and we never will be. But it will be the same kind of distance explosion. Right, relatively speaking. There you go. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's interesting, most interesting. Um, but one of the thing about the women's game, though, is it's allowing them to take advantage of playing some of the more traditional courses the way they were originally designed to or, or part of their design focus was to have these kinds of lengths of tee shots and approach shots and bringing a lot more of the course, uh, course defenses into play and things of that nature and a bit more of a game that, yeah. I totally agree. And I, and I think that the governing bodies um, do well to see that and to take the, the tournaments to those courses because of that reason. Yeah. Yeah, well, the RNA has already stepped up and done that, and KPMG uh, PGA yeah. Championship has been doing that a little bit with some of the courses they've already put into their rota. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's terrific. Um, in our last third, let's uh, turn our attention to the LPGA in general speaking. Um, oh, let me take a step back. I would be remiss in asking you, so who would you pick for your top three at KPMG this week? <laughs> Oh, it's so difficult. Um, I know, isn't it? <laughs> uh, top three, uh, Nelly, Nasa, and Danielle. Okay. Can't go wrong with those three, I mean. And then Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to say that on my account, but. No, no, because as soon as I said that three, I'm like, shit, I didn't say, sorry, I didn't say, um, I didn't say Brooke. <laughs> Well, we did a lot of uh, internal talking, a group of us here, and our consensus was that our picks for this week, three picks that we think will win it, would be uh, Nelly, Brooke, or NASA. <laughs> Just because NASA's been there all this time and everything else, too, so she's been in around know, and around and playing it. really well. Just pull it together. Yeah. This could be it. <laughs> See, we're all right there on the page. I bet your all's fourth one was would have been Danielle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Danielle or Lexi, because they're right there too, you know, playing really well. So, <laughs> but that's the depth and the uh, the depth yep. of experience and skill on the LPGA now. It's just, it's kind of yeah. like where the PGA was a few years ago when they had all of a sudden the rush of uh, the young guns coming up, and we're kind of finding ourselves in that same spot now with the LPGA. Mm -hmm. So, you've been in the game a little bit now. I don't want to say a long time because that would be doing you a disservice. It's Say it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've been following it obviously for a while, both as a player and now um, uh, as a retired player, and, and still in and around the game. What are your thoughts about where the LPGA is this season, and uh, how things have been able to uh, come back after the suspension, and where you think the tour is headed for the remainder of this season? I think obviously it's been a really hard year for the LPGA. Um, the late start, you know, starting late, not being able to get some tournaments to come back, some cancelling, you know, till next year. Um, I think that's hard. Obviously, a lot of the tournaments happen overseas in Asia. Obviously, they weren't going to happen this year. So a lot of the scheduling has, has gone out the window. Uh, there's just not as many tournaments as there would have been. Uh, but... The, on the bonus side is that the strength of field in some of these other events have been magnificent. And so we've got, we've got to see a great number of players that we may not have 
had a chance to see at some of these smaller venues, the ones like ShopRite last week, for example, had the best field strength I've seen there in a long time. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Uh, so in many ways, that's, that's a positive. Uh, the fact that everybody's been so, you know, dedicated to making this happen successfully, the sponsors that are hanging up, that are doing their best to keep propping the LPGA up during this time, you know, that are having tournaments, so they're keeping things going. It's impressive. Uh, the fact that LPGA stage in two drive-on championships, you know, that's huge as well. Uh, people moving tournaments around, rescheduling them, being flexible enough to help the women play. I mean, all these things are pretty huge. It shows that there's a willingness to to want to help and to want to keep the women's game in the forefront of everybody's attention and the media's eyes. Because for a while there, when the men were playing, it was very easy to forget that there was an LPGA tour. Um, so to have them out there playing is, is very important because you don't ever want to have that. Right, right, right. Um, do you see any challenges coming ahead for the next year? Well, COVID, I think, is still going to be a challenge, maybe even into next year. Yeah. I think... Um, Obviously, you have some early tournaments in America, but then it goes overseas to Asia again. So that is the the initial worry straight away there, how that will pan out, the early Asia events next year. Um, but I think I think that the LPGA is just putting one foot in front of the other right now, making sure that they, they keep getting tournaments one after the other, after the other, after the other. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they can find a way to, to make Asia happen next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, thoughts about maybe Australia in February? That's a traditional spot for them. So, I kind of love. I know I kind of lump that into the same as the whole Asia, uh, even though I shouldn't. Obviously, two different continents, uh, but that seems that's the swing. You know, like you have the two Asia events, then you move the, the, the two Australia events, then you move to to sort of the, to Thailand and Singapore. Uh, so, it's you would like to see it all happen and everything clear up. There's a long time to go between now and February. Who knows what the situation with the world is going to be like with COVID and how that's all going to pan out. I hope that it's gone. That would be great. And then everything gets back to normal. I don't know. I think there's no guarantees. It's in the same way as, as you don't know if the person that's standing next to you on the bus has it or not. Right. You know, it's just, there's just no guarantees. And they probably don't even know if they've got it or not. That's right. the scary thing. So yeah. who knows? Who knows? It's the, the challenge is uh, making sure that, that tournaments can happen next year. Right, right. Do you ever think it might be possible to kind of do what the LPGA did a little while ago with regards to having players travel in a bubble together, um, say, by plane? something like that? That would probably be the best opportunity for it to happen. I think with those Asia events, if they fly, um, they would. I think that if you could keep them in a bubble, if you could, you would almost have to sequester them a week before traveling out in a resort somewhere where they stay for a week. You know, the sponsors all club together from Australia, from Asia to pay to fund this. Put, club them, put them all together in a resort where they get COVID tested, they get everything taken care of, they practice, they work on their game, they do whatever they need to. That way their golf game doesn't suffer and they won't feel like they're losing out by doing it. 
you put them on a plane knowing that everybody on that plane is negative because they've been there for the week and they're all negative. They get on a, on a plane together, a chartered plane. They fly over. They get transported to that hotel and then off you go. Right, right. And sort of keep that bubble intact as much as possible through that really, part of the swing. It would have to be a really tight bubble. Yeah. Well, the NHL managed to do it, but they did it a little bit differently in terms of uh, uh, two host cities and played all their games there. And the NBA's tried to do that in just Orlando. but It's, it's a little know. different if you're yeah. traveling through airports and going through customs and immigration and, and things like that. There's a whole lot of stuff that has to, everything right. has to be, all your ducks have to be in a row for it to work out. Yeah. Yeah, all that extra element of travel, international travel to boot. Well, an extra expense too on the sponsors. It's going to cost extra money for them to to be able to do all this. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hope things return somewhat to a normal. Oh, my fingers People crossed. Think, yeah, exactly. Both fingers, sets of fingers crossed. <laughs> and toes. Yeah. And legs so, and <laughs> So after KPMG, what's next for Karen? Uh, I actually go to Vegas to cover the CJ Cup now at Shadow Creek. The which cup? The PGA Tour. The CJ oh, PGA, cup. right. It was, it was the PGA tournament that was in uh, Korea that has oh, been moved okay. to Vegas. So I get to cover that for Golf Channel. I'll be on course. I'll be on okay. course there. Terrific, yeah. terrific. Excellent. So you'll get some more warm sunshine. I will. Cooler <laughs> evenings, but warm days. Yes. <laughs> That'll be fun. All right. Terrific. Um, well, thank you, Karen. Always an absolute pleasure to have you. You we, are uh, welcome. We really appreciate it, you taking the time and sharing your knowledge and experience with us. Uh, and okay. uh, um, We look forward to seeing you again soon, and uh, we'll keep an eye out for you this week, or at least Perfect. an ear open for you this week. <laughs> Sounds good. Catch Perfect. me on Golf Central. All right. Thanks. All right. Cool. All right. Good night, you guys. See ya. Thank you very much, Karen, for joining us. We really appreciated all that. And we're running a little bit over time, so I'd like to take this opportunity to say thank you to all of our listeners for having spent your hour with us. We hope that we've been able to provide you with some good, informative golf information and uh, a really good in-depth look at the KPMG's Women's PGA Championship. Thank you very much, and we look forward to seeing you and talking to you soon. Good night. This podcast, We're Talking Golf, has been produced by the World of Golf and is copyright of the World of Golf and Douglas Meta. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Podcast Addict, and many more. This episode was recorded in Vancouver, British Columbia, on October 5, 2020. Thank you for listening.